This program was recorded for broadcast at this time. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And this is my time. Keep it here as Roger talks about local and national issues important to you. Talking with the leaders and newsmakers in our community. And now, here's Roger. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. The program is dedicated to protecting, preserving, and defending America's founding traditions of God, family, country. We are in the historic, turbulent aftermath of Election Day, November 3rd, 2020. I'll have comments about the presidential election, which is still unsettled as we speak at this moment, a little bit later in the show. Also, a primary focus of our program today will be local candidates, of course, which is always our primary focus, and those who were successful, some of those who were successful, and of course, some of those who had participated on our program you know, with interviews during the campaign. Right now, one of the one of the real bright spots, personally, speaking personally, uh, to me was the re-election of County Commissioner Lee Constantine in Seminole County. We're going to speak with him in just a moment. Also, the, the re-election of Grant Malloy as clerk of court. We'll speak with Grant a little bit later uh, as well on the show. And the, re- and the election of Sheriff Dennis Lima to Seminole County Sheriff. We expect to speak with Sheriff Lima as well. But right now, we're pleased to be joined by County Commissioner Lee Constantine, and uh, to talk about his successful re-election effort. Lee, uh, thank you for joining us, and congratulations on another uh, outstanding election victory. Thank you very much, Roger. I appreciate uh, the sentiment, and it's good to talk to you again. And, you know, I was just thinking um, earlier this morning, I, I have literally lost count of all the elections that you have won. I mean, certainly you've probably won more elections than any candidate or elected official in the country, or you're certainly at, right at the top, uh, everything from Altamont Spring City Council to uh, state representative to state senate, and now to Seminole County Commission. So I, that doesn't happen by accident, uh, and you obviously are someone who uh, connects with the voters, and you also have worked very hard to get those uh, those votes, but also you got great political skill and instinct as well. So I commend you. I, I know it's uh, it's hard to win as many races as you've had, and I know this was a particularly tough one. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, but, uh, you know, as uh, you and I, we both uh, uh, grew up in this area in uh, South East, Southwest Seminole County, you and uh, Apopka. Uh, one, of, uh, one of the guys that I always looked up to uh, was John Land, the mayor of Apopka, and he I, I had the privilege of, I think he was uh, mayor when I was actually in high school, in elementary school, and when I got elected as a city commissioner in Altamont Springs back in 78, um, he and I became friends, and, uh, I, I, you know, I mean, he was always, he was always so, so cordial and so nice to me, and uh, then later on as a senator in 2003, he was appointed to a board by Governor Bush that I was chairman of, and that was the Wakaiba uh, Parkway and Protection um, Commission. And, uh, you know, he and I have all, had always worked well together, but got the opportunity to really work closely. And uh, as you recall, that came out to be uh, something that is still looked at as a model throughout the state of how to protect the environment while building a very, very important road. And, 
and Mayor Land had a lot to do with that. I know he served for 50 years. Um, this this makes my uh, 40th year. I mean, it's just I, I, I time just goes by because I knew you way back when when I first ran for office in uh, in uh, uh, not only Altamont Springs but in, in my first race for the state house because I was very fortunate in my first seat uh, in the in the legislature to represent Apopka. Um, later on, we were redistricted, and, and I um, it moved more north-south than east-west, and then I was representing both Seminole County and Winter Park and uh, Maitland. But my first two years, I had to represent Apopka, and I always fondly re- remember that and enjoy uh, the, the relationships that I had in, in that area. We're speaking with County Commissioner Lee Constantine of Seminole County. He was reelected on Tuesday in a hard-fought race. And, you know, Lee, from my perspective as an outsider, it it seemed like this was a particular tough race, not just for you, but for all the Republican candidates in Seminole County. I mean, there was obviously uh, a very well-organized, a very well-concerted effort for Democrats to defeat Republicans in Seminole County this year, a lot of money. Um, the Democrat candidates raised a lot of money, most of it from outside the Seminole County. To what do you attribute uh, you being able to prevail, and, and, and how 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 tough was this particular race? Well, you know, I had to come off of a pretty difficult primary in which uh, we had we talked about before where, you know, certain development interests uh, were after myself and other uh, another commissioner that uh, uh, Bob Delory that fought the uh, development and wanted to protect the rural boundary. So we had to fight that and then go right into this one where, uh, you know, the, the divisiveness that we have in, in, in American politics today, you know, it was very difficult to overcome. People were voting straight party ticket this year, starting at the top. They were, they weren't looking at the individual. They were more looking at the uh, the party. And in my case, uh, you know, my opponent had very little experience or knowledge uh, about the process, but she was able to take advantage of, in many cases, the new blue wave in Seminole County. Now, the interesting thing is, is that if you look at our constitutional officers and our county commissioners, we've got between the 52 to 56, I think, uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, excuse me, I got a phone call coming through, but uh, we'll just we'll talk over it. But the, um, like, the, I, I believe the sheriff got 57, 58%. And that was really nice to see that they trusted the local officials more than they did the state officials, which got an average of one loss and in Republican, and then the others were like between 50 and 52. And then, of course, if you go to the federal, um, Biden won the Seminole County. Uh, the Democratic Party won the Seminole County for president, and uh, Stephanie Murphy as the congresswoman. Um, both of them won, and in fact, the um, that was the first time since 1948, uh, Harry Truman, that Seminole County went Democratic. Uh, for the president. So, it you know, it was a tough year that the numbers are changing. I think we're actually even and the non-party affiliates are uh, uh, just a few, like 12,000, 13,000 below uh, the Republican Democrats. I think it's 118,000, 118,000. 
and about 102,000 uh, non-parties. So it's it's definitely a purple county. It's not a blue county like Orange is yet, but it is a very um, competitive county all the way up and down the line. We're speaking with Lee Constantine. He was re-elected to his seat on the Seminole County Commission on Tuesday. And Lee, we've got just about uh, three minutes or so bef- um, in this segment. Once again, I really appreciate you joining me um, and joining us. And I'll just what what are your goals now for for your next term for the next four years? What would you like to to see accomplished? Well, I I think that Seminole County you know is in a very uh, transitional and a crossroads period. I mean, we have been very fortunate to have a great education system. You know, and people move here for our school system. Just recently, we were rated number one in the state as a place to raise a family. We were rated number one in the state to uh, to live. We were rated number one in the state to uh, to um, to work at home, the best place to work at home, which is uh, very timely in this in this era or this this term of COVID that we're going through right now. But you know, we also have uh, the opportunity that number one, we have to get ourselves out of this situation. We have to find a way to stimulate the economy to. Um, you know, and I, we're all, we all know that we're not going to be able to turn the corner until we have a, um, a real uh, uh, vaccine. But we've got to start making provisions when we have already in our budget to give money uh, to help grants for small businesses, to help grants for the nonprofits, to go back and have workforce development with Seminole State College. We've put money into that. We've so we're and we also put money when we didn't have to because schools were getting their own money from the stimulus package. We put money into our schools to help them with some of their infrastructure. So Seminole County, we're we're really focused, laser focused on ensuring that we get out of this COVID in the best posture we can to uh, to make people feel comfortable in moving and living here in Seminole County. So that's the first step, and then from there helping change the culture. People like living in Seminole County. And one of the reasons they do is because we, we put together an opportunity. We, we give them opportunities to live, to work, to play that are unique in Central Florida. And we have to continue to keep that lifestyle. Well, once again, congratulations. And uh, we look forward to continue to catch up with you, you know, over the your next term here, the next four years. Anytime, Roger. I appreciate always the opportunity to sit down and talk with you and and uh, your audience and um, uh, it's a real pleasure. You're you're a very good friend and I always enjoy working with you and talking to you. Thank you, sir. Thank you for your kind words. Best wishes, friends. We'll be going to break in just a moment. I do just want to share briefly some of my thoughts about the presidential race and briefly and frankly, I I I really feared. That this would be a close race. So obviously, the last one was extraordinarily close, and the the three uh, you know industrial Rust Belt states that Republicans do not normally win that Donald Trump won last time: Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Those tabulations were extraordinarily close. If I'm not mistaken, I believe Dennis Prager said uh, a day or two ago that uh, a total of 78,000 votes in 2016 uh, among those three states or were the margin of, of victory for Donald Trump in 2016. And I, I, that just gave me a really kind of a sad feeling, a sick feeling, because I just figured if it's that close again, and there's no reason to think it wouldn't be, um, 
Democrats are, are very skilled <laughs> at basically uh, being able to uh, to steal elections like that when it's that close. So there's a long track record of it. It's almost a, an integral part of of um, American history. As a specific examples: the 1960 election, uh, John F. Kennedy and Nixon, um, and other recent examples as well. So. And I think, sadly, we're we're experiencing that on a day-to-day basis, that attempt. Fortunately, I think Donald Trump is a fighter, and he's not going to just sit around and um, lie down and let it happen. So that's um, be very interesting and not to mention exciting to see how it all plays out, even though depressing. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Grant Malloy on The Roger Franklin Williams Show. Please stay with us. Welcome back. Good to have you here for the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. In the historic turbulent aftermath of the 2020 elections, as is our primary focus year-round, we are paying particular attention to local races, particularly ones that we had a close eye on and Earlier we spoke with, a few minutes ago, we spoke with Commissioner Lee Constantine, who was elected in a tough battle for Seminole County Commission. A little bit later we'll speak with Sheriff Dennis Lima, who was elected uh, to continue to serve um, as Sheriff of Seminole County. In just a moment we'll speak with Grant Malloy, who was re-elected as Clerk of Court for Seminole County and Comptroller by a healthy margin. Before we go to Grant, I just want to finish up the thought I, I was sharing with you when we went to break. And, you know, I just had a really sick feeling that if this, that first of all, that this most likely was going to be a close election. I certainly didn't believe the polls. I've, you know, been following politics very closely for about 40 years now. And, and this is something that's a recurring theme every four years. It seems like the Republican candidate is always way behind, you know, in the polls. Um, going back to the days of Reagan, um, I remember the summer of um, 84. Uh, oh my gosh, you know, Mondale, 20 points ahead of Reagan. Unbelievable. You know, and I'm thinking, and that's, I hadn't been involved in politics yet at that point, never been a candidate, never worked on a campaign at that point, and didn't quite seem right to me. And, but I was, you know, at the same time, I hadn't, you know, I still had some faith and confidence in the, in the mainstream media. Um, and, uh, you know, they still had some credibility as far as I'm concerned. So I was a little bit concerned about it. Of course, all, we all know how that turned out 49 state victory for Reagan, one of the biggest presidential landslides in, in history. And at that point, I begin to be very skeptical of all these ridiculous polls that come out in election years that always show the Democrat always winning and the Democrat, uh, the Republican always hopelessly behind. So, but anyway, my point is, you know, I wasn't expecting any kind of a massive victory for Biden, but I f- assumed it most likely would be close. And based on what I've observed, uh, just just like that situation, anytime there's a an election that ha- that is that close. And especially if you start having recounts and if it drags on for a day after the election or two days or three or a week or whatever, um, virtually without exception, the Democrat candidate always seems to win <laughs> with these uh, extra, you know, the balance uh, that are counted after the actual election takes place. So, you know, and we're witnessing that now. And, um, you know, I think it's a sad state. Now, of course, George Bush did actually win presidency in 2000 in that similar situation. So I guess that would be the one exception that I'm aware of. But. I do not have a confidence, uh, to say the least, that this is any kind of a legitimate process. I think that um, you know, it doesn't take a genius to really figure out if they want to look hard that there are certain areas of the country, Philadelphia, sh- Chicago, Atlanta, Milwaukee, where vote stealing is, 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 is an art form. 
So, and that's what we're kind of seeing play out right now. And um, it's uh, you know beyond depressing and, and, and disheartening. But as I said before, um, you know, Trump, somebody who's going to fight, he's not going to take it laying down. And I think that's a, you know, that's a huge thing to feel good about. Right now, let's go to Grant Malloy. Grant, c- c- congratulations to you. And you didn't have to worry about recounts because you had a very healthy margin. <laughs> well, thank you, Roger. Yes, it, it, uh, the evening turned out very well. I was happy to see I even got uh, more votes than either Trump or Biden in Seminole County. So that made me feel a little better that we've all the hard work has really paid off and and people have seen the great things happening here at the clerk's office in Seminole County and and, uh, are pleased with the services and all the improvements to make life easier. So it was a good night. Very good night. Now, can you talk about, um, well, I want to ask you about your goals for the next four years, but, you know, as you know, I'm, you know, highly interested in, in the actual campaign process as well, the actual campaigning um, and what it takes to get elected. What are some of the things that you feel that you did, you know, now that you have a chance to reflect a little bit, uh, that were, you know, that, that were re- very anti- uh, advantageous to you winning? What were some of the things you did that were effective and, and, and helped you to get that victory? Well, I think the most important thing was we've been doing a great job here for the last four years. Uh, the overwhelming you know, response from the public, I'd knock on doors and I'd talk to people and they're like, hey, you know, you, you've been doing a great job. So doing a good job and serving the public was was the foundation of the campaign because you just can't go campaign after you did a bad job. Uh, so that that was really good. And then you follow it up and, and you, you know, we put out some mail, we did some radio, uh, we did social media, I uh, went out and it was different with COVID. There wasn't as much interaction with the public, but we were able to get our petitions up front early on. We were the only campaign that was able to get on the ballot with the people's permission. So I'm always a big grassroots person. I didn't hire any political consultant to tell me what to do. No, I was always uh, putting my own mail pieces together, uh, talking to voters directly. And I think people see the sincerity of that, that you know, I do care about this community and, and about people. And I think because of that, uh, that you know, I got the, um, the comfortable margin of a victory. And it was it was interesting because there were a lot of pundits out there saying there was going to be uh, a different turnout in Seminole County. Uh, but I, uh, with the blue wave, it was all over. You know, the Sentinel talked about it. Uh, it was out there pretty prevalent that this was going to happen. And I do have to give kudos to Linda Trocine, who you've had on your radio show, and the great job she did uh, educating voters about, you know, Simo County is a great place, and a lot of that has to do with the leadership of the uh, Republican elected officials that serve currently and have been serving. So she did a great job uh, getting the base out. And... Um, this is an office that operates pretty nonpartisan. So I was out in, in neighborhoods like Goldsboro and, and uh, Midway and talking to, to uh, people that don't normally vote for Republicans and uh, was able to get votes there, too, because people see that this is not always about party. This is about serving citizens. So it was a, really a combination of all that. A lot of great volunteers. Uh, one of my volunteers got I got 70 percent in, in one of the precincts he was knocking on doors there. I mean, that's unheard of. So having great volunteers that go out and talk to uh, people on your behalf is a huge help, too. Thank you for, for the, sharing those insights. And, uh, yeah, I see, obviously, you worked very hard. Your fellow constitutional officers worked very hard. Um, 
Chris Anderson, who got reelected, David Johnson, who got reelected, uh, J.R. Kroll, who got elected for the first time. And I think that's significant because the Democrats definitely put up a huge fight. I mean, and they were very confident. They had tremendous money uh, all of up and down the line. Money was pouring in from outside the county to support Democrat candidates all the way down to the constitutional officer level, which isn't the norm. It's very rare, actually. So this wasn't something that anybody could um, incumbent or no incumbent could really sit back and coast um, and, you know, based on count on name ID and helping you win the day. So I know but you, you rolled up your sleeves and went out there and, and worked to meet the voters and, and take your case to the voters. And, you know, I commend you for it. And that, I, I, I'd say that's the reason that you were able to, to have the success because it would have been very easy. Uh, all three of these, all, all of these constitutional officer positions uh, would have been very easy uh, for you guys to have lost. Because at one point I wanted to make, because actually Donald Trump, you know, President Trump actually lost to Biden. Biden actually beat Trump in Seminole County. And right. We've got uh-huh. about three minutes less, uh, left. Could you, uh, do you just have any thoughts on that? I mean, it doesn't really relate to your office duties, but I mean, why do you think that um, President Trump lost in Seminole County? Um, and where do we, the local, the guys went? Obviously, it's because you guys worked very hard locally with the grassroots, but, um, you know, why do you think um, Trump lost to Biden in Seminole County? Well, I, I focused on my, my own campaign, so I, I didn't uh, delve into others, so I'm not sure what the ground game was. Um, you know, I think Trump, you know, tends to, at least I would come across it, just his personality would rub a lot, a lot of people the wrong way. And uh, I know there's pluses and minuses to having somebody that's got some guts in office. You know, I, personally, I think if he'd um, come across a little more, uh, diplomatic on some of, he didn't need to pick fights with everybody he picked fights with is my opinion so I think that just was it was mainly personality the people I'd run across that weren't going to vote for him it didn't have anything to do with foreign policy or energy policy it was always they thought he was you know not a nice person so I think that's at least in the talking with people that's what I would hear more than anything and and I'll follow that up we've got about two minutes um and um, what I know that you went out and, and worked in you know you you worked hard with non-affiliated voters. You worked hard with trying to get you know, get Democrat votes as well. Have you had a chance to to uh, look at any of the results and, and see how those efforts uh, paid off? I have not had a chance to take a look at the precinct level. I haven't seen that data yet, so I am kind of curious in the in the neighborhoods that were strong. Democrat that I was personally knocking on doors. I'm kind of curious to see what what changed. I did hear overall, you know, that uh, younger people are they're really not identifying with Republicans or Democrats. Uh, they're they're more independent minded, and I uh, there's a great opportunity I think to to um, reach out to, to that group that segment. I know um, some folks that are traditionally you know Democrat voters are, are not necessarily leaning that way anymore. It's more of an open field now, which is actually good because then you you can be more competitive and share your ideas and I think have a better debate. But I have not had a chance to look at that yet as far as the, the, the detail level. Uh, it, it was, I think, if you look at, the, at our race, we had the second highest votes in the county if you don't include the, the property appraiser, which was against an NPA. So I feel very good about our strategy worked out and that people, regardless of party, saw the great job. Going on, many people told me they voted Democrat down the line, except for this race. You know, because they saw, you know, our outreach to the community and uh, the services that were 
providing. Well, I commend you once again, and you worked really hard for it. And not to mention, as you pointed out, you worked hard for it every day, Monday through Friday, um, you know, serving the public, yeah, actually doing the job. So thanks for sharing with us a few minutes. And I want to give a shout-out to our friend Chris Hart as well. I know you were on Chris's show quite a few times um, as well, and um, I know that's always a big benefit for candidates as well. Yeah, Chris is a great guy. I appreciate his support and your support and everything the radio station's done. Uh, I was really happy to, to do some advertising there because uh, you, you have very loyal listeners, and I, I can see why. You, know, you guys speak from the heart. Thank you very much, and congratulations, Grant Malloy, re-elect, you, re-elected as clerk of court, comptroller for Simmel County. Going to go to a quick break. When we come back, I'll share my thoughts about the presidential race, and then we'll speak with, later in our show, we'll speak with Sheriff Dennis Lima of Simmel County, and he was elected as well on Tuesday. So please stay with us. You're listening to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Welcome back. Good to have you here for the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And now back to the studio. Here's Roger Franklin Williams. Friends, welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. These historic turbulent times, and we are literally in the in the midst of one of the most um, turbulent presidential elections in American history. Obviously, I, I, the only one I can even think think of. Well, of course, two thousand was turbulent. It took over thirty days for the winner to be declared. That ended up being George Bush by a margin of five hundred and thirty five votes in Florida. Um, but the one, only one I can think of that even rivals it is eight, the 1876 election, where Rutherford B. Hayes wound up as the president, um, and he was a Republican. And um, and actually, uh, based on the things in the aftermath of that campaign, which they don't, you know, they're too arcane and uh, to go into right now, and I don't know all of them either. But um, if I understand correctly, there actually things were so disputed, and so many states were disputed. And if I, if I'm not mistaken, Florida was one of those disputed states uh, in, in 1876. Um, that they ended up having a commission to actually review everything, review the results, uh, try to observe alleged fraud, all those kinds of things. And uh, of course, the commission was an odd number of people, and it was made up of um, you know theoretically bipartisan you know. Half Democrats, half Republicans, but uh, seeing how I guess the Republicans were in office already, you know, uh, the President Grant had been the was the president at that time. That um, there was one more Republican on the committee uh, on the commission, and <laughs> surprise, 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 there was a uh, they declared Rutherford B. Hayes the winner by by one vote <laughs> with their the Republican margin there. So, in a way, the more things changed, the more things remained the same. In a way, as far as politics goes. But my point is uh, that was an incredibly turbulent election, and but we don't know much about that because it was so long ago. And then, of course, the 1800 election, when actually Thomas Jefferson and Aaron Byrd, Burr actually tied, and that was actually thrown into the House of Representatives. And so, I mean, we, we have had extremely difficult, um, messy presidential elections. We just haven't had... Uh, one to this extent uh, during during our lifetime. Uh, but the point that I would make is that I'm very disturbed by a number of things that I'm seeing 
I think first and foremost, and it's kind of a, become a regular theme on our show, is the absolute, can't even think of the right word, um, lack of integrity would be one of the first phrases that come to mind. Uh, the the extraordinary bias, left-wing, politically correct bias, slanted politically correctness, slanted bias of the mainstream media, um, where they've abandoned, you know, all all aspects of, of journalistic integrity, of, of fundamental journalism reporting, reporting the facts, and, and now thrown in as partisans and participants in our political process, uh, even to the point, and even not even honest ones, I mean, to the point of creating false narratives or, or false um, narratives that are highly um, inaccurate and highly slanted from a left-wing point of view and from a Democrat point of view and slanted against uh, Republicans, conservatives, and patriotic Americans, and certainly grassroots Americans uh, such as me and you and, you know, the people, as I say, of the heartland and of Main Street from flyover country uh, are ridiculed and mocked and, um, you know, by the so-called mainstream media these days. And they certainly are not reporting anything accurately that's happening in this particular political race, and, and that's incredibly disturbing. As I've heard Dennis Prager say, the, the kind of media that we have in America today literally should not happen. You know, our whole constitution, our whole system was built, our First Amendment of free, spe- spe- free speech and freedom of the press was established <laughs> to prevent the kind of media that we've got today. And it, it, I mean, as Prager has said, and I agree with him 100%, the kind of media that we have in America today from so-called the mainstream media, and of course I'm talking about all the major networks, virtually every major newspaper in the country, virtually every major news magazine. Now we've got the big tech involved now, um, you know, Yahoo, Apple, who, who all have, um, have news, quote-unquote news uh, sources and inundate people with their so-called news. Uh, big tech now, Twitter, Facebook, which is extraordinarily biased, and um, you of course have un- very unhealthy relationships with communist China, um, all th- all thrown in uh, with this monolithic left wing, politically correct, anti traditional traditional American values, anti constitutional focus, and it's an extraordinary problem. It's the reason that Republicans aren't winning more elections. It's the reason that the presidential election was even close. I mean, just imagine if. President Trump had Donald Trump had gotten any kind of a accurate or unbiased um, or objective news coverage for the past four years. He would have won in a landslide. You know, there are m- tens of millions of people in this country who don't even know all the great things that Trump has done. Um, they know every little uh, negative accusation about him, m- many of which aren't even true. Um, um, all flat out lies. Everybody knows about all the negative things about that have been um, alleged against Donald Trump. Nobody knows of uh, many, many people, tens of millions of people don't know of all the many positive accomplishments of Donald Trump. So anyway, that all plays into close elections, elections that are close that shouldn't have been close. And then uh, in the in remaining moments, I want to discuss what I think is absolute, um, looks to be, let's put it that way, um, absolute voter fraud, absolute attempt strategy, strategic attempts to throw this election for the Democrats. And let me just share one thing with you. Um, Several years ago, there was a race in Minnesota, a Senate race. The incumbent was Coleman, 
think his name was Norm Coleman. He was a former mayor of Minneapolis. He was a rare Republican. You know, Republic, uh, you know, Minnesota is one of the most Democrat states in the, in the country. Uh, they Not too many Republicans ever get elected in Minnesota. Well, Coleman had been, um, got elected to U.S. Senate. And he was challenged by Al Franken. It was a very close race. It's probably what you're going to have as a Republican in Minnesota. And Coleman was leading uh, by, very, by narrow margin, kind of the similar type of margins that Trump uh, was, was, you know, looked like he was leading by in Michigan and um, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. And um, so it was one of these things, okay, well, we're going to have to have a recount. You know, it's uh, elections too close to call. We're going to have to have a recount. And right off the bat, common sense tells you when you start drawing things like this out, <laughs> you obviously begin to use, to lose quality control, um, whether it's elections, no matter what it is. When you when you, move, you you go past your deadline, when your systems break down, when you say, OK, well, we're going to uh, we're going to have to extend this for two more days or another day or we're going to have to count these votes over here or, or um, y- your your quality control process begins to break down. Um, your oversight process is going to break down. So anyway, um, and it's almost pretty well documented now on, on News Talk Radio, but I remember it firsthand. I remember when this happened. During this whole recount process, a whole, a whole bunch of new votes were found. In fact, uh, literally, somebody had a whole big stack of votes in the trunk of their car. And, gee, what do you know? All these votes are for Al Franken. So anyway, after they vote all the uh, the, the votes that were quote-unquote found <laughs> after, during the recount process, Al Franken ends up being the U.S. Senator from Minnesota. So my point is, and I've seen that kind of thing play out over and over again over the last several years. A similar, very similar thing happened to Congressman Bob Dornan uh, back in the um, some you know, years ago in California. Same exact situation. Super, super close race. Um, didn't you know he was ahead? You know, you know at the deadline, if you will. Um, oh, it's too close to call. We have to have a recount. Next thing you know, the recount. Oh my gosh, there's a lot more votes we found here. Democrats ends up winning the election. So. That's what I see happening right here. And basically, and, and people who follow politics closely, the quote-unquote political professionals will, will tell you this. I mean, it's kind of well-known fact in, in inside political circles. There's a whole strategic way to steal an election. There's, um, you know, if, if you say a candidate's ahead, say by 1,000 votes, to use a round number, um, when the polls close, when the votes are counted, um, you know, and it's, oh, well, we're going to have a recount. Uh, well, now you know you need to get 1,001 votes to win that election if your candidate lost. That's what's happening right here. Uh, it, it's, it's, well, it's, well, it's going to be well documented. If it's not well documented now, uh, common sense tells you, you, know, you know, exactly what's happening. And it's amazing how as this process drags out, um, you know, Michigan, when the votes stopped being counted, Trump was, had, a very healthy mar- had a healthy margin, relatively healthy margin. Next thing you know, uh, all these Democrat votes begin to appear in Michigan. In fact, at one point, something like 100, you know, over 100,000 votes that, um, you know, just seemed all, all seemed to be for the Democrat. You know, these kinds of things happen. These and these, obviously this is not legitimate. Um, and, and I think this particular time it's been a strategic element going all the way back to four years ago. One other thing I'll put on the record. And this uh, this is documented as well during the Romney race, when Romney ran against Obama um, in Philadelphia. There were precincts, or at least one precinct, where there were more votes cast than people who lived in that precinct. And amazing, it was it was a, something like a ninety eight percent victory for for Obama. I mean, these are the kinds of things that happen in big cities. And you know, if if you pay attention closely, um, 
in certain specific areas of the country, it's part and parcel. It's accepted procedure. Nobody ever calls anybody on it. It's just kind of one of those accepted things. Oh, yeah, there's going to be some fraud in elections. Oh, yeah, Philadelphia, that's really a tough, it's tough to win there. Uh, um, but anyway, that's a cumulative effect that's going on around the country. And one other point before we um, end the segment, you know, and I knew back um, four years ago, is that those four, three crucial states, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, that, that Trump won by surprise, um, those margins, those thin, very thin margins of victory that he had in those states, it's easy to overcome those kinds of margins with, uh, with skill, skilled voter fraud. And I'm thinking, and I've been thinking for four years, actually, the Democrats are going to have four years to figure out how to, how to overcome those margins. Because you're, you know, no Republican in this state age is going to win Philadelphia by a huge margin. I'm in Pennsylvania. They're going to win Wisconsin or Michigan by a huge margin. Those are traditional, hardcore, solid Democrat states. So any race that any Republican is going to be ahead in those races is going to be very, very close. And skillful voter fraud can wipe out uh, those 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 thin margins, and um, and Democrats can prevail. And that's exactly what I think we're seeing, witnessing unfold right here, right now in America. And it's very sad. We'll be right back on the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And now, here's Roger. And this is my turn. Welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Of course, we're talking about the turbulent, historic 2020 elections. I mean, with the kind of year this has been, how, how, who would have expected it to be anything different um, than what it has turned out to be? But um, anyway, certainly historic times and many disturbing aspects of it. But of course, on our program, our central focus are, are Florida politics and local politics. And we are pleased that to report that many of the people that joined us on our program during the campaign were ele- either elected or reelected on Tuesday. And that includes the three guests we have today who we've heard from County Commissioner Lee Constantine earlier. He had a nice reelection victory, hard fought reelection victory. Clerk of Court Grant Malloy and Comptroller, who had a very solid win. And now we'll be in a moment we'll be speaking with Sheriff Dennis Lima, who had a large victory. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, he had the most votes of any local candidate in Seminole County. Before we go to Sheriff Dennis Lima, I want to give a shout out to our friends over to Popka Moore and Equipment Repair. Of course, they're your one-stop center for all of your lawn and garden needs. Get over and see owner Mike Martin and all the great guys at Apopka Moore at their impressive showroom, which is at 2975 West Orange Blossom Trail. That's on the north side of Apopka between the 429 and Plymouth Sereno Road. Apopka Moore and Equipment Repair. It's where they sell the best and they fix the rest. Find out more at apopkamower.com. I want to give a shout out to to a friend, Dr. Patrick St. Germain and the great people at St. Germain Chiropractic and let you know that they've been voted best chiropractor for now 16 years in a row. So when you're in pain, go to see Dr. St. Germain, Dr. Patrick St. Germain and the great people at St. Germain Chiropractic. Once again, voted best chiropractor. Now let's go to Sheriff Dennis Lima of Seminole County, who was reelected. And Sheriff Lima, congratulations on a on a very solid, very resounding victory on Tuesday. Well, thank you so much, Roger, and I appreciate you having me back on. 
now can you um, have you had a chance to think a little bit about and reflect and uh, what were some of the reasons you think that uh, you got such such strong support across Seminole County on Tuesday? Yeah, you know, I really uh, am incredibly proud of the uh, the dedicated work that the men and women of the Seminole County Sheriff's Office uh, do day in and day out. I think that that was kind of a our biggest advantage that we were running on our record. Uh, I shared with your listeners last week or so that in the 107-year existence, there's never been a crime rate lower than there is today. And quite frankly, we have people who are flooding uh, these these areas like Seattle and uh, you know Oregon and Atlanta, and they're they're applying to, to work at the Seminole County Sheriff's Office because they want to serve a community that appreciates them, that uh, you know that uh, that really gives them the love and the respect. So I, I think that the first it goes to the men and women of the agency, but I, I think our hundreds of volunteers did an incredible job getting our message out there to, to the voters. We're speaking with Sheriff Dennis Lima on the Roger Franklin Williams show. He was elected uh, in a strong showing on Tuesday uh, to be once again serve as Sheriff of Seminole County. And, you know, Sheriff, one of the things that you've talked to us about before, and I have to think that that most likely played into your success on Tuesday as well, was your community policing efforts, your innovative efforts to be proactive um, in in solving crime and also proactive in building bonds, positive bonds with the community and uh, various communities in Seminole County. Can you uh, talk about that? Yeah, I think that that is incredibly important to our mission. And uh, you know, in a in a very partisan world, as a Republican sheriff, you know, I was uh, so blessed to have so many people cross over party lines to to vote for us in our efforts. You know, we've always said that crime is a symptom of another problem. And then if we address those underlying conditions that are present that lead people down the path to commit crime in the first place, talking about substance abuse and mental health and you know, poor parenting, if we address those things, then we keep our community safe, we, we save lives, and we, we make a, a, a remarkable difference. So I, I think that really our, our voters listened to, to that strategy. They saw some of the uh, success that we had with pulling in the private sector. I think I shared with you before that. You know, corporate Walmart came in and gave us a half a million dollars. So, you know, we're, we run a fiscally conservative office, and if we can get some of these companies to come in and help with our crime-fighting effort, uh, that's, a, that's a good thing for all the players involved. Speaking with Sheriff Dennis Lima, he was re-elected he elected to serve another term on Tuesday for Seminole County. And, and Sheriff, can you talk about a little bit more about your background? You've got a great background in law enforcement. You've shared it with us before, but I think it's that's um, you know, relevant to the job that you're doing and, um, and to everything that you do at the Sheriff's Office. I'd love to have you share a little bit more about that with us today. Yeah, I, th- I think that that was uh, also extremely helpful because I've spent my entire life preparing to take on the responsibilities to serve as, as Seminole County Sheriff. I've you know, listed in the Marine Corps. Uh, was honorably discharged um, uh, from my service there and immediately went into uh, law enforcement, used the GI Bill to pay for an undergraduate degree and then ultimately a a master's degree in administrative leadership. But I think that most important to this particular position is is I'm almost a 29-year veteran of the Seminole County Sheriff's Office, ascended the ranks from correctional officer to, to deputy, investigator, detective, sergeant, lieutenant, captain, major, and then serving as chief deputy under Sheriff Don Esslinger prior to becoming the 10th sheriff. So I think all of that was incredibly important because, you know, for nearly 30 years, this has been my home. This has been uh, the philosophy. And quite frankly, 
uh, we're now capitalizing on some practices and strategies that we implemented decades earlier. And I think that that, uh, uh, our elected officials, our constitutional officers, our county commission, you know, we've all been around this community for a while. And as a result of that, we've been able to build relationships that are meaningful and, uh, and we can rely upon one another. And I think that when you look at all of the incumbent uh, elected officials that were reelected in Seminole County, uh, especially when when it looks like uh, you know for the presidential race it went it went blue, it showed that uh, you know many people were going to vote for the most uh, talented and prepared people to do the job day in and day out. I'm incredibly proud of that. We're speaking with Sheriff Dennis Lima on the Roger Frank and Williams Show. Now, Sheriff, can you as you look ahead now for the next four years? Uh, what are some of the things that some some of your goals specifically for your next term? Yeah, so I think that we have we have uh, some challenges that are out there, but you know we've been very uh, blessed to have uh, exposure and access. Uh, people want to model the way that we police in Seminole County, and I think that that's probably one of the reasons why Attorney General Ashley Moody had asked me to chair her transition team and specifically focus on opioid use disorder. I think that that's why. When Governor Ron DeSantis put together his executive uh, team for for the, the statewide task force, uh, he asked me to to vice chair behind uh, Ashley Moody, and then uh, First Lady Casey DeSantis has worked with the Drug Abuse Prevention Panel, and we're, we're also working on that. And honestly, that's not a reflection of anything that Dennis Lima, the sheriff, is doing. It is a reflection of what our uh, uh, strategy is here in Seminole County to not only uh, make sure that we provide people the help they need, but to hold those criminals uh, accountable. We've we've had more uh, individuals charged with first-degree murder for dealing deadly doses of drugs in this county than any other county uh, in the state of Florida. So I think that, you know, continuing to focus down that path, uh, when the COVID-19 occurred, you know, everyone was sheltering in place, and, and that has brought with it a whole host of unintended collateral consequences, specifically you know, mental health, um, children have less access to mandatory reporters in school, meaning that abuse, neglect, and abandonment is actually up, but the reports are down. So I think as we come out of this pandemic, there's going to be a lot of work for us to do on the front end of these uh, these uh, social issues. And Sheriff Lima, we've got time for one more question. And, you know, it's kind of a, probably a complex question, uh, but um, I would like to, if, if you want to address it, get a thought, you know, a thought or two here before we go. And, you know, obviously, the summer of 2020, we saw tremendous turbulence around the country. Uh, some of it, um, you know, racially oriented. Some of it, um, you know, obviously, conflict between the Af- certain African American communities and law enforcement. Um, and you know, per, to my knowledge, Seminole County has not experienced anything of, of this magnitude um, or even smaller scale. Uh, do you have a thought on um, or, or thoughts on you know, what? You know, law enforcement and the community, the entire community, all Americans, but particularly members of the African-American community can do to to, to build a better bond of, of cooperation and, and communication. Yeah, actually, I think we've been extremely successful with that here. I think that that's why you, you saw the death of Trayvon Martin and the trial of George Zimmerman occur and situations across the world that resulted in, in violence and, and arrest. And not one person was arrested, not one situation uh, got out of control. And I think that that's because we've invested uh, in building these partnerships, uh, particularly with our, our African-American community, our Hispanic communities, 
but these relationships are real and they're meaningful. And, and you know what? It takes a long time to establish that. You can't manage your way out of a, a crisis. We actually sent folks from the, uh, the sheriff's office up to Ferguson to help them. And, you know, I saw my counterparts across the, the, the country start saying things like, build relationships with all segments of the community before you need to have them. And I think what they're saying there is, is build relationships with minority community. Uh, and although I agree with that statement, what I think that these leaders should be saying is build relationships with all segments of the community because it's the right thing to do, not because you're going to benefit from it later. It's generally the right thing to do. And I think that, you know, the men and women of, of, of our agency and partnering agencies in Sumner County, for that matter, have really embraced that. Our uh, African-American Pastors Alliance has been a, a huge resource. And I, I think that that's one of the reasons why you see great diversity uh, with our campaign. Uh, if you looked at the hundreds of people that were holding signs, they're all from all walks of life and different backgrounds and something that I'm incredibly proud of. But uh, our occupation needs to do a lot more. I mean, we need to evolve. We need to continue to grow. And that, uh, that's something that I look forward to, to leading the charge with over the next four years. Well, thank you for being here to share about the way that you run Seminole County as the sheriff. And once again, uh, congratulations on a resounding uh, election victory on Tuesday. Thank you so much, Roger. Great talking to you. Thank you. Sheriff Dennis Lima elected in a landslide victory on Tuesday um, to continue to serve as sheriff of Seminole County. Well, friends, that's going to do it for our show today. I want to thank you for joining us. It's always great to be with you. And uh, all I can th- say now is going forward. Let's uh, all we can do is put put our future and the country of our, our future our country's future in God's hands. Hope you have a wonderful day. <laughs>